Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Phil's Facts podcast. I'm your host, Phil. I wanted to uh, be able to uh, talk to you guys for a couple minutes, uh, bounce around a couple of ideas, uh, recap some of the discussion that we had on Twitter earlier today, and really give you my thoughts on uh, where I currently see the Islanders uh, in terms of where they are this season and where they are as a franchise. Um, cover the topic of should they be buyers or should they be sellers Um, discuss the notion or the idea that uh, perhaps the Islanders are still in some sort of rebuild uh, that nobody seems to know about but people keep talking about uh, as well as some potential trade targets uh, that might make sense for the Islanders uh, as they look to improve this roster and hopefully secure a playoff position uh, for this coming postseason in April So let's begin with where we are today. The Islanders, as we all know, got off to a really hot start this season. Uh, They had that 17-game point streak uh, very early on, which started, if I'm not mistaken, at around game six after dropping uh, three out of their first four, or maybe around game five, which after dropping three out of their first four contests, uh, they went on a 15-0-2 streak. Uh, That streak ended... Uh, with a pretty brutal West Coast trip where they took one out of a potential six points, and West Coast trips could sometimes do that to you. But uh, most importantly, since the streak ended, uh, they are a very, very average, or potentially, you know, maybe even below average, 12, 12, and three hockey club. And that's led them to where they are today 61 points, which is good enough for a third place in the Metro Division. One point ahead of Columbus with two games in hand, two points ahead of Carolina with one game in hand, and those are your wildcard teams, and three points ahead of the Flyers. Um, So that's where they currently stand. In a playoff spot, not by any means comfortably, um, and right behind the Flyers, uh, if I'm not mistaken, are the Toronto Maple Leafs with only one point less, although the Islanders do have a couple games in hand. So tomorrow night's game against the Rangers, needless to say, is of critical importance if the Islanders are going to start to rebuild some of that cushion that they had uh, which was obviously afforded to them uh, by the 15-0-2 streak that they had earlier this season. So many in the Islanders' Twitterverse right now are debating the idea of should the Islanders be buyers, should they be sellers? Are we perhaps in some sort of rebuild uh, is, is something that I've been seeing thrown out there. So I wanted to get to a tweet by Kerry Haber. Uh, I thought he made an excellent point the other day, and he pointed out that the Islanders in no way, shape, or form can be sellers right now. If there's going to be any kind of movement movement or activity at the trade deadline, it's going to have to be to buy pieces. And let's examine the roster and kind of figure out as to what the Islanders' current assets would be anyways uh, if they were to go the selling route. So the first thing you have to look at is the players on expiring contracts, of which there are four, not including the restricted free agents, of course. Thomas Grice, uh, backup goalie making $3.3 million. Are there playoff teams that could use a, a second goaltender who has playoff experience like Thomas Grice? Absolutely. The yield for Thomas Grice? Maybe a third-round pick. He's 34 years old. Um, going based on what the return for Keith Kincaid was last year at the trade deadline, which was a fifth-round pick, Thomas Grice obviously a far superior goaltender, but I don't see him yielding a second-round pick. I would imagine that would be something around a third-round pick. Derek Broussard, uh, the return for Broussard last year, if I'm not mistaken, was something around a third-round pick, although there were a couple of other pieces in there. 
I would expect that maybe you could squeeze another third-round pick out from Derek Broussard if you wanted to move him to a team that had a need for someone like that. And then there's Matt Martin and Tom Kunakel, and no guarantee that they would fetch anything. Maybe a seventh-rounder, and I'm basing that off of the yield for Cody McLeod last year. Uh, but in hindsight, I don't think Nashville even understands why they ultimately traded a seventh-round pick away for a Cody McLeod. So at the top end of what you'd be getting for your current group of unrestricted free agents... You're looking at maybe two third-round picks plus maybe two sevenths or a seventh and a sixth if if maybe someone would be particularly interested in a guy like Tom Kunakel who's won a couple of Stanley Cups just to have that in the locker room. If you look at some of the other players on the roster, you really get into the meat and potatoes of why Carey was saying the Islanders cannot sell. Jordan Eberle and Anders Lee, as well as Brock Nelson, Not that you would want to trade them per se, but all three of them have full no trade clauses for the next two years. And you'd have to imagine that was intentional. None of these guys want to end up in Seattle. Um, I know Anders' no trade clause goes, I believe, five years. Uh, But Brock and Ebbs built their contracts specifically with the expansion draft in mind, and they need to have trade protection. Moving down the list a little bit further, Josh Bailey... I don't see him getting moved. He's been a career Islander. Um, And I don't see any team that would actually have an appetite for four more years of him. Not that he's a bad hockey player by any means. And um, I know this is, uh, you know, he's he's definitely the whipping boy of Islanders Twitter. uh, But he's nowhere nearly as bad as some out there make him out to be. But I just don't see anyone wanting to take on another four years of Josh Bailey at $5 million for seasons 30, 31, 32, and 33 of uh, Josh Bailey's career. I just don't see it happening, and I don't see what the return would be. Do you trade Bouvillier? I just don't understand why you would do that. You're obviously not going to trade Barzal. So realistically speaking, there isn't much on this roster to sell. So let's talk about buying. And this kind of ties in to what some folks out there have been saying. Everyone should relax. Everyone calm down. We weren't even supposed to go to the playoffs last year. This team is still in rebuild mode. And just trust Lou. He knows what he's doing. We're rebuilding. Are we? Does a rebuilding team lock up a 29-year-old left wing at seven years for $7 million a year? Does a rebuilding team sign Jordan Eberle and give a no-trade clause for his first two years at five years for $5.5 million? Does a rebuilding team give Brock Nelson, who, by the way, I believe that this was the best center contract out of all center contracts given out in 2019, way better than the Hayes deal, and it's looking a lot better than the Duchesne and Pavelski deals at well, as well, but tie up six years at $6 million for Brock Nelson, you have essentially seven roster spots that are going to be accounted for for the next half dozen years between Josh Bailey, Jordan Eberle, Brock Nelson, Anders Lee, Matt Barzell, and Anthony Bouvillier. That's pretty much a known. So, and that currently accounts pretty much for their entire top six. Now, as players get older, and other players come up, like Oliver Wallstrom, and hopefully a couple of the other, these other prospects pan out. Some of these guys will be moved down to second, third, and maybe towards the tail end of their career, fourth-line roles if they haven't been traded at that point. Uh, 
Um, but for the next several years, to me, it doesn't look like Lula Morello this summer went in there with the intention of, I'm giving out these three big contracts, but I'm also in rebuilding mode. No. Lou's intention was, we are going to win now. And obviously, they tried to re-sign John Tavares at the end of the uh, 2018 season. John and his wife had other ideas and, and you know, all the best to them. And, uh, you know, there's nothing Lou really could have done about that, having been on the job for a month. And a lot of that decision for Tavares was personal. Uh, the Islanders went all in on Artemi Panarin. And Panarin decided to go to our next door neighbors in Manhattan for less money. And you can't fault Lou for that. But there are a couple of things that have happened over the past two years since Lou took over where you kind of look at it and say, oh, why didn't we do that? Or why didn't we attempt to acquire said player? And I'm not talking about Mark Stone, uh, because ultimately if Mark Stone wasn't going to do the side and trade with us, then, you know, better off keeping Dobson and and letting Stone go to Vegas. That's his prerogative. Uh, Obviously, I don't think Vegas would have given up Brandstrom and the other assets that they gave up unless they had known, you know, for darn sure that Mark Stone was intent on signing that extension with them. And he had signed that extension by the time he had already landed in Vegas, as far as I understand. But you look at some of the deals like Ryan O'Reilly, and maybe you could say, okay, Lou had just taken the reins. Maybe at that point he was thinking rebuild. You know, your captain just left, you know, after a pretty poor season, the season before, uh, from a roster construction standpoint, aside from adding Komarov, Filpola, and Martin, none of whom by means are game breakers, you know, maybe he just didn't think that adding an O'Reilly to the mix uh, would get them any farther. Um, but JT Miller. JT Miller is someone that was acquired by the Canucks this offseason for a conditional first-round pick. So that's a first-round pick that's going to be given up either in 2020 or 2021. And if I'm not mistaken, a third-round pick. For a guy who would probably slot in really nicely right next to Matt Barzell on the top line. Other players that come to mind, um, and you know, I'm not saying that these players are, are the biggest impact players per se, um, but there were a couple of other players who uh, were either traded with a little bit of term on their contract um, or you know, about to head off to restricted free agency. Uh, Thomas Tatar. Uh, is, is one of them that was brought to my attention today. Josh Levo, um, who was traded pretty much for nothing by Toronto, who, who last year could have slid in, slot, slotted in nicely on our third line. And, uh, you know, the same could have been this year. Now, I know he's injured, and that's obviously circumstantial. Uh, but he could have been a nice player that could have been had for cheap under team control for the next little while. Max Pacioretty, and maybe they explored that one, and, and obviously it would have been a rental. Uh, and he signed that deal in Vegas right away. Uh, but there, there is no, you know, excuse that could be given that there were no options and that players do not want to sign here. None of these players who I mentioned had any form of trade protection. Any of them could have been traded to the Islanders and a whole bunch of them, O'Reilly, Miller, had reasonable amounts of term at a reasonable amount of dollar figure. So now that leads us to who can the Islanders realistically acquire that can make an impact this season and maybe even beyond. I think the thing that the Islanders definitely need to be careful with is the fact that they do have a couple of restricted free agents uh, that are due some hefty raises this offseason, Barzell and Pollock in- included. I-, I don't think Taze is going to be- get a major raise, uh, perhaps maybe around the $3, $3.5 million mark on, on a mid-range deal. 
Um, but that's something they definitely need to be mindful of. Uh, but I think uh, there is definitely a couple of scenarios where they could offload some dollars and maybe take on someone who doesn't have maybe uh, a whole lot of term uh, left, but maybe two, three years. And the two most obvious players that come to mind, uh, number one would be Palmieri from New Jersey. Uh, he's got another two years after this at $4.5 million. He has playoff experience. He scores goals. He's great on the power play. And another one would be Brandon Saad. Um, a lot of that is going to have to do with where Chicago is uh, at the trade deadline uh, from a playoff position, positioning standpoint. But I would have to believe that a guy like Saad could be had at the right price. What that is, that's not up for the fans. That's not for the fans to figure out. The idea that the fans need to figure out exactly what Lou Lamorello has to give up in a deal like this is ridiculous. Lou is the GM. Every GM has their asking price. It's not like Saad can't be moved. It's not like Palmieri can't be moved. That's for Lou and the front office at the Islanders to figure out as to what assets would be given up. In terms of players who would be coming over as quote-unquote rentals, obviously Taylor Hall's already off the block. Uh, Chris Kreider is not going to be traded by the New York Rangers to New York Islanders. Um, you know, it's just not going to happen. Those two tra- teams don't make trades very often. Uh, but looking at, at the list of unrestricted free agents and things that might me- make sense, Mikhail Granlund from Nashville. Uh, it, it seems that Nashville is, is going to be willing and ready to move a couple of pieces at the trade deadline. And, and Granlund, I think, would be a guy who could slot in nicely on the third line. I think Nemesnikov. And the interesting thing about Nemestnikov from Ottawa is that he solves uh, a glaring problem that the Islanders have, which is not having a consistent uh, and a steady at the third center role. I think Nemestnikov could slot in nicely, and I I don't think he'll cost that much. Ottawa acquired him for a fourth, and obviously at the trade deadline prices go up, uh, but I can't imagine he'll cost more than a third and change. Tyler Ennis, always been a good scorer, and maybe defensively he doesn't fit into the structure of what they're trying to do but another player that could pot goals and, and comes cheap. There are players out there, and there are players that should be on the Islanders' roster sooner than later who can make an impact, who can help with some of the goal-scoring trouble that they have, and won't alter the trot system so dramatically that it should make a difference on the defensive side of the puck. So this has been Phil's Facts Thoughts for the evening. Uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Uh, you know, I'm hoping we could do more episodes like this in the future. If people have ideas or suggestions of what they would like me to speak about, uh, please message me. Uh, but until next time, take care.